And I want to start today with a, with a personal question uh, for you. How many of you have ever been dehydrated? Yeah, happens to me um, a couple of times every summer because I, I get up and I drink coffee and that's usually all I'll drink um, all day long. And about one o'clock, I'll start to get this, this headache kind of back here and I'll start to feel a little tired. And if I don't drink any water, um, the day will go on eventually. And by about four o'clock, the headache's worse and I'm starting to, to see little stars out there every once in a while. I um, mean, it's bad. And, and I tell myself every time, like, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I just, just drink water. It's not, it's not that hard, right? But for some reason, I can't, I can't get it. I think the same thing happens to us spiritually, though. Like, there are some of, of us in this room, um, or, or maybe you're watching online, um, that currently you would describe yourself as being in a, in a dry season, or, or maybe you just got out of one, or, or possibly, and, and I don't want to be this guy, but possibly you're getting ready to go into one. Like, I, I don't know. But one of the things that happens in, in a dry season uh, in our lives, and if we're not careful, we can lose hope, and we can lose joy, and we can lose peace, and we can think that this dry season is only bad, and it's always going to be bad, and it's never going to go away. And I want to show you today, though, that our God is the God of the dry season as well. Like, I, I wanna show you today that God does some of his best work. God does some of the most amazing things throughout history, and God can even do miracles in the dry season if we're open to it, if we're willing. And we're starting a brand new series today called Fire and Rain, and it's based on 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 is where Elijah gets up on top of Mount Carmel and he calls down fire from heaven. And we'll get there eventually, but it's gonna take us a couple of weeks to get there. So today, though, uh, what we're gonna do, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're gonna start in verse one, and we're going to go line by line, verse by verse, through this entire chapter, so you're gonna have to listen quick. All right, pay, pay attention. It starts this way. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe, in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, and this was a jab, by the way, he said, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, let me kind of set this up, what's going on in the text. Israel at this time had completely turned their back on God, it was something that they were pretty good at throughout their, their existence. They would go and pretty, pretty, for a pretty long time, like they would serve God, they would follow God, God would bless them, but for some reason, they, they would always begin to fall away and to turn away. And this is one of those times in the history of Israel where like they've all turned their back on God. And instead of worshiping God, what they chose to do was worship this false God called Baal. And Baal was kind of like the God of rain. If you, if you go throughout history, uh, he was the, the God of the sky, the God of the storm, the God of thunder, um, all of these different things. And when we see pictures of, of this false God, Baal, in ancient literature, he's always holding like a lightning bolt. So God is picking a fight with the false God of rain. Like that, that's just what God does. And I want to uh, pause for a minute because I've heard this and I've read it online um, many times in articles, like people are worried about the state of the church. Like the church has turned their back on God. Like the, 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 the church, like we're in the same place right now. 
Like the, the government is gonna start controlling the church. Listen, and I just don't think that's gonna happen. And, and here's why. Though some people have turned their back on God, not everyone has. There are people all over the world right now worshiping with us. Like there are hundreds of thousands of people in the United States today gathered worshiping the living God. There are people in trees under Africa worshiping the living God. There are millions of Christians in China underground worshiping God. So listen, so, so what the government does to me doesn't matter because Jesus said this. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never come against it. The government's not gonna stop it. I don't care where it's at. Thank you. That was free. But Israel had completely turned their back on God and they were worshiping Baal. So Elijah goes up to Ahab and says, hey, I serve the real God. You don't serve him. I do. And it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Now, do you think Ahab took him serious? No. Like if, if I walked up to you today and said, hey, it's not going to rain again until Josh says it's going to rain. <laughs> you're taking me to the hospital. You're having me checked in somewhere. Like Israel, they were an agricultural community. Like if it doesn't rain, the crops don't grow. If the crops don't grow, they can't produce any food. If you can't produce food, you can't eat and you can't trade. So God's telling Ahab, listen, if you don't stop, if you don't straighten up, I'm gonna crash your economy. How many of you know that when the economy crashes, God has our attention? It's never changed. Elijah's telling Ahab, hey, a dry season is coming. And if you've heard me preach for a while, um, you know that I tend to repeat myself. And it's not because I'm getting old, although I am, but, but it helps us to remember. And I've asked this question probably 100 times over the years, and I'm gonna ask it again. And it says, everybody has a next step. What's your next step? Like, what, what is your next step? Everybody in this room, everybody watching online, you have a next step. What's yours? Because even in the dry season, God is still gonna speak to us. Even in the dry season, God's still gonna call us to take our next step. That's what verse two says. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. How awesome is that? If it's not gonna rain for, for three years is, is the time that we know, then the most valued commodity in the land is gonna be what? Water, right? He's gonna need water. And God is, gets very specific with Elijah. We saw a couple weeks ago, if you, if you were here or you watched, with, with Philip in, in the book of Acts, that God wasn't very specific. God just kind of pointed him in a direction and said, hey, I want you to go. Go south to the road. All right. And, and he did. But with Elijah here, God is, is very direct, very specific on what he wants him to do. He says, hey, I want you to, to go east to the, to the Kareth Brook. All right, God, that's a pretty big brook. Where, where do you want me to go? Uh, right to where it enters the Jordan River. See, sometimes God tells us exactly what we need to do and where we need to go. Sometimes he does that. Sometimes he just points us in the right direction. Says, hey, go. But it's always in an effort to get us to take our next step. It's always in, in an effort to draw us closer to him. Like, see, I believe God wants us to know his will for our lives. So many times, so many people spend their lives searching for God's will. Like, I wanna know, like, God's not trying to keep it a secret. God's just asking you to take that next step. And the more steps you take, the more it's going to be revealed. 
Like he's not a God that's up there saying, hey, you do my will, but I'm gonna hide it from you, and when you don't get it right, I'm gonna punish you. Like that's not the way God works. Sometimes this by taking our next step is where it's gonna lead to a place where God's gonna provide for us when everyone else is without. And, and this is kind of where it gets crazy. He says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. First time in this chapter, this is gonna come up. Ravens are unclean birds, and unclean. So we're gonna see it at least three more times in the text. But God is going to send an unclean bird to feed him. And if I'm Elijah at this point, I'm like, God, can't you send me an eagle like or something? They're, they're majestic, like they're nice, they look clean, like ravens are gross. Or, or maybe a parrot, like and I can talk to it. Like, I, I don't know. But, but an unclean bird. Well, listen, God can use some things that people call unclean to sustain us in a dry season. So, so Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he just took his next step. He said, God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. He could have said, wait, no, God, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna stay here in the desert, and I'm gonna pray, God, and you're gonna provide for me. I'm just trusting you, God, and, and, and because I know you're a good God, I'm just gonna stay right here. And you know what would have happened if he'd have done that? He'd have died. Like, he would have died. Because God told him the next step that you need to take isn't to stay in the desert and pray, and prayer is never a bad thing. The next step is not to just sit in the desert and trust me. The next step that you have to take is one of obedience to walk and to go where I tell you to go. And it says, then he camped beside the Kareth Brook, just as God said, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. This is a great, like, I would love this. Like, send me on a sabbatical there. Like, you're just sitting by the water. Birds are bringing you food. Like, everyone else is just dying. Like, and you're being fed and taken care of. Like, that's awesome. Like, but it says, but after a while, the brook dried up. Nobody likes to run out. Have you ever been, been scared of running out of something? Like, you, you look at your bank, and there's more month than there is money. Scared they're going to run out. And I, this was proven um, back in February of last year. Um, I, I remember going to Walmart and buying a 12-pack of toilet paper. And thinking, man, this is great. It was on sale. And then COVID hit. And I would go to the store, and the shelves were empty. But I was like, man, I'm good. Like, I got a 12-pack. <laughs> and, and I went back the, the next week, and the shelves were still empty. And I'm like, I'm all right, so I got eight. And I went to Taco Bell and I had four. And it was, but, but now, like now we have like a stockpile of toilet paper because we're scared of running out. Like, can you imagine that, that Elijah, he's there. He, God, I did what you told me to do. I went where you told me to, to, to go and, and things were good for a while, but now it's running out. Now, now there's not any water. See, God, I'm here because you told me to be here. I'm right where you wanted me to be. And I'm still running out. He probably got up the next day, well, there'll be water here tomorrow. And he got up the next day and it was dry. Nothing left at all. Except for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. He ran out. And this is for the person 
hearing this today that maybe you've ran out of hope. You've ran out of joy, you've ran out of peace, and you're thinking, how in the world did this happen to me? Because as I got here, I thought I was listening to God, and all of a sudden, I'm out. Did you know that sometimes God will let us run out so that we recognize that he's the source? The brook was not the source of Elijah's life. God was the source. God made the brook possible. So if he led you to it, listen, he will lead you through it. And the next verse says, and the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Okay, several problems here. Zarephath is an unclean village. There it is again. It was a Gentile land. Some scholars actually believe that this is where Baal worship originated. So God, why don't you send me to Jerusalem, like where your temple is? Like, I thought we weren't supposed to be hanging out with, with those people. And, and by the way, if you've ever used that phrase, those people, like you need to understand that you're in that category. Like you are, like I'm so thankful that God wasn't scared of those people because I was one of those people. It says, go to Zarephath. So you want me to go to, to an unclean place and a widow is gonna feed me? Like widows at this time were very poor. They didn't have anything. God, didn't you mean a rich person's gonna, gonna take care of me? But he's out of options. He either stays at the brook that's dried up and dies, or he goes. And verse 10 says, so he went. He just took his next step. Everybody has one. What's your next step? It says, so he went to Zarephath, as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Just like a man, isn't it? <laughs> hey, honey, would you get me a drink? Yeah, while you're in there, would you make me a grilled cheese? Like, like that's how you know the Bible is true. Like, it, I mean, he just said, can I have a, a little water and, and then, hey, and a little bread? Not a big ask here, right? A little water, a little bread. And she overreacts. Occasionally, a woman may or may not overreact over something. <laughs> but she said, I swear by the Lord, your God. And don't miss that. It's the Lord, your God. He's not my God. You know why? Because she was in Zarephath worshiping Baal. She was, she was a, a pagan. She said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal so that my son and I may die. Might be a little over the top, I don't know. But can we all agree that this lady lost hope? Isn't it amazing how, how God will bring people into our lives who've had the same experiences that we've had? See, Elijah had just in a in a place where God had provided. There was a brook and there was ravens feeding him and then he ran out. And God brings him to this widow woman who is a pagan, nothing like him, and she's in the very same position of about to run out. That experience that you went through, it might not have been fun. But listen, but it wasn't wasted. Because God is going to bring you into somebody's life who's experienced the same thing that you went through so that you can help them. 
Like that's why we do grief share. That's why in the fall we're gonna start our divorce care group because some of your hardest times can be used to bless someone else in the future because that's what God does. And in this story, he did it for a woman that didn't even know him. How amazing is his grace? He says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said, but make a little bread for me first. And that's his challenge for her. Put God first. Even if you're not a Christian, you have, you have a next step. See, she was a Baal worshiper. And this man of, of God steps into her life and says, hey, just a little bit of bread. Not a big ask. For some, it's as simple as, hey, come to church with me. Will, will, you, come to, will you come to grief share? Will you make a meal to, to feed our middle school group on Sunday night? Will you serve coffee? Will you work downstairs? Like even, even if you're watching online and you're not a Christian, God has a next step for you. Again, I can almost hear the, this conversation between Elijah and this woman. Hey, listen, you've trusted Baal. How's that working out for you? You're about to die. Just a little bread and a little water. Trust God, what do you have to lose? And he says, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Don't miss that. God's gonna send rain. He's gonna send rain. But until that happens, there will always be enough in your container. He was telling her, hey, you have the vessel in your house for the miracle if you'll just put God first. You don't need anything else. You, you don't have, uh, all you have to do is take this next step. And in this moment, if you're willing to put God first and trust him, he'll take care of you. So, so she did as Elijah said. She just took her next step. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. Even in the dry season, there was enough. Said so there was enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord promised through Elijah. And if the story ends there, that's great. But it doesn't. It says, sometimes later, this woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally, he died. And here you have this great thing going on. Elijah taking his next steps, this woman taking her next step, God providing and doing some great things. And then a tragedy. Isn't that how life is? Things are going good, and then just something jumps up and gets you that you weren't expecting. What do you do? Verse 18 says, then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done? It's always someone else's fault, right? I mean, I can't get mad at this lady because when things go bad in my life, I'm always lashing out at somebody too. So what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sin and kill my son? Don't we go there? Like, God, is this because of, of that thing I did in high school? You're punishing me? And God's like, you're 62. Like, I'm over it. Like, but every time we think that God, hey, God's getting us back for something that we did in the past. But God doesn't work that way. The Bible says that he, when he forgives us, he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west, that they're gone. And so, but Elijah said, hey, give me your son. And this is a significant step. Her first step was a little bit of bread and a little bit of oil, or a little bit of water. This step is to give me your son. That's a big deal. 
Do you think she had trust issues with Elijah at this point? Absolutely. This is Elijah saying to her, and God saying to us, give me that thing that's died in your life. Give it to me. And then Elijah gets awkward. So then he took the child's body from her arms. Wait, again, a dead body was unclean. Elijah couldn't have touched a dead body. Couldn't have been in the same room with a dead body. Elijah, you can't touch that. It's unclean. Unclean birds, unclean place, unclean woman, unclean body. And he takes the unclean body in his arms. And I think this is God saying, listen, I don't care how unclean you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you've messed up or how much of a mess that your life is. I'm not afraid to take everything unclean about you in my arms. I'm not afraid to, to, to love you. I'm not afraid to, to, to grow you. And we see it repeated over and over again that no matter how unclean we think something is, God can take care of it. It says, and Elijah took him in his arms, carried him up the stairs to a room where he was staying and laid his body on the bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy on this widow who has opened up her home to me, causing her son to die? Have you ever heard someone say, hey, don't question God? Elijah didn't get that memo. Like, did you know it's okay to question God? We would say, well, what about Job? Yeah, well, God got mad at Job because Job was questioning out of a self-righteousness. Hey, God, I've been so good. God, I've followed you. God, I've done all of these things. Why is this happening to me? God got upset at Job, not because he was questioning God, but because he was self-righteous in it. Like, Elijah's like, God, why, why have you brought this tragedy on this widow? And why I think it's okay to, to question God, I just think there's a better question than why. And say, God, what are you up to? God, what are you going to do? God, you led me here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know these people. So what do you have planned? God brought Elijah out of solitude and into a relationship during the dry season. And you can trust the relationships that are formed in the dry season. It says, and he stretched himself out over the child three times and cries out to the Lord, oh Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. He was asking for the impossible. He was asking for something that, that if you go back through scripture, like there has not been a resurrection before. Like this is not even, this is not even possible. Nobody had been, ever been brought from death to life at this point. Why would Elijah pray for that? Like Elijah asked God for the impossible during the dry season. See, the, the dry season's an opportunity to see the impossible in our lives. Because the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. It's amazing. She gave Elijah a dead son and she got back an alive son. Did she get more than she gave, yes or no? Yeah. See, when God asks you to give him something, he's always going to give you back more. The reason God is asking you for that thing, whatever it may be, is because he wants to give you more in return. It just takes your willingness to surrender. And then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Don't miss this. Elijah got something out of this. He didn't just give. God was blessing him as well. Elijah's getting ready to go into the biggest battle of his life. 
He's getting ready to face 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And before he's getting ready for that battle, this woman encourages him. Like, so not only did God meet this woman's need, he met Elijah's need. And here's what we have in chapter 18. It says, later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Elijah, I took you to the brook. I took you to the widow. Now it's time to go back to the king that wants to kill you. Tell him that I will soon send rain. And so, so Elijah went and appeared before Ahab. Later on in that passage, we're gonna see fire fall from heaven. We're gonna see rain fall on the land. But listen, none of that happens unless Elijah takes his next step. Everyone has a next step, and what's yours? What's your next step? Is it to ask for help? Is it to confess a sin? Is it baptism? Is it to give something to to Jesus that you've been holding on to for so long? I don't know. But I do know that you have a next step. Even in the dry season, God can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. So what is your next step? I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna pray. Father God, today, we come to you thanking you that you are God even in the dry season. Thanking you for the people that you bring into our lives during the dry season. And Father, today I pray that you would just reveal to us what our next step is, where it is that we need to go, who it is we need to talk to. Father, I pray that we'd have the faith to take it. Father, I thank you today that we don't have to live in in fear. Fear of what's gonna happen to the church, fear of what's gonna happen in in our lives, fear of, of anything, God, because you've promised us through Jesus Christ that you've got it taken care of. You've promised us, God, that if we'll take our next step, you'll lead us to that place that you will provide. So Father, I pray that that you would show us very clearly, very directly today, what you want us to do next. It's in the name of Jesus who died for us, I pray, amen.